Okay, so I am curious, you, I need you to raise your hands high, how many of you, when you were young or when your children were young, actually watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood live? See, it's a good bit of you. So that's why it's appropriate that we have a little test this morning to see if you remember the names. Do you remember who these two characters are? On the far right is Daniel Tiger, and that is Lady Aberlin. Okay, then here, now y'all, bless her. What were they thinking about the way they made this poor Lady Elaine Fairchild look? She has things on her face in multiple places. And I think that ha actually has something to do with the character. And then we have the postman named Mr. McFeely. <laughs> I don't know if that would fly today. Okay, and then we have, we have King Friday. This is King Friday, and some of you that are young people probably didn't even know that there were all these characters. And then the police officer, Officer Clemens, who was just an awesome character, and he was on, it, on this show for decades. And, and here is Mr. Rogers kind of showing all of these characters around him. And he said that all of the puppets, that they were all a part of him. They were all a, each a demonstration of some part of who he was, and when I think about all of us, we have different parts of us, and it just depends on maybe the people we're around or the time of day, and that person, and some of you have even named those parts of you um, in your own marriages maybe, or with your children, with they wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Today, um, we're going to look at a story about, that Jesus tells, and it is about three different people, but really it could have been any of us. And, and any given day, when we see things and, and there are experiences around us, we choose how we are going to respond based on kind of what's leading us that day. We have learned the past several weeks that being a good neighbor was something very, very important to God. Since the beginning of time, in the Ten Commandments, two of the commandments are focused on how we're supposed to treat our neighbors and, and then two weeks ago, Pastor Stephen talked about that the way that we treat our neighbors can literally bless them as if God was blessing them. We can be a bridge of God's love to our neighbors, and that is what God expects and commands us to do. And then last week we saw that we don't get to choose who we do that to, that there's not like the ins and the outs, that God shows no partiality and so regardless of who our neighbor is, we have been called to love them. And so today, we're going to get even more specific about, about broadening, but yet getting more specific who that type of neighbor is. And that it's not necessarily someone who you know. To help us with that, we are going to turn to the Gospels. As we prepare to do so, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God. Thank you for this day. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, that they would be pleasing and acceptable to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. May this word, this story that we have heard so many times, may we hear it fresh and new. And whatever it is we need to hear, let that be your spirit. And whatever it is we don't, may it fall by the wayside. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of our Lord. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have given the right answer to do this, and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, the man said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, who beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I find it so fascinating that Jesus, who, who is this expert in what neighbor meant in the Old Testament, he would have known what the law taught. That he used, when he's asked, who is my neighbor, he tells the story not of someone who lives close by. He tells the story of a random stranger. Because in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for neighbor, it comes from the word to pasture alongside. It literally meant someone who you shared a boundary with. So the past several weeks as we've been talking about neighbors, I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about the people that live near me. I've been thinking about the people that office near me. The, the people that maybe are on committees with me, the people that are my neighbors that are proximate to me, people I know, and, and they know me. And yet when Jesus is asked to describe more explicitly who the neighbor is, it is a random. It is someone that none of those folks knew. We need to pay attention to, to that. He chose to tell a story not about a festival, not about a party, but it is just an everyday walk from one, one town to the next, and these normal people are just passing by. All three of them, we just read, all three of them saw the stranger in need. And it wasn't just a stranger that, like the ones that stand on our corners, that ask us maybe for a few dollars or for a cold cup of water. No, this man was bleeding, half dead, the scripture says. This was a man in crisis. So all three passed by this man, they saw it, and they all saw that it was in need, and there was only one who responded. But think about it, Jesus is intentional to tell us that it was a Levite and a priest. Both of them, they had no excuse. Both of them would have known that the Torah, the law, said that when you see someone in need, you help them. You don't get to just, you know, choose who you're going to 
help and who you don't. So they have no excuse. But before any of us get judgy about them, Jesus didn't let us get judgy with them because Jesus does not want the point of this story to be about the ones that didn't respond. You see that in the amount of words that the Levite and the priest are given. No, the story that Jesus wants to tell is about the one who did. It's about the Samaritan, the unexpected one. So why did the Samaritan react differently? And Jesus says it. He saw just like the other two had, but he was moved with compassion. Compassion in the Greek is the word splognica. And, it, and I've said this before, it means your gut. It means your bowels. It's that thing within you. You know, you see something and you are disturbed and you have to react. That's the spirit of God within you that is moving you. That you cannot just watch. You cannot just walk by. It is that same spirit that moved Jesus over and over and over in the Gospels. There's this story of Jesus walking the road to Jericho. And it tells us that there is hundreds and hundreds of people with him. They are just desperate for his touch, to hear a word from him. And as he is walking, there are two blind men sitting up on a hill. And they cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd tells them to be quiet. Shh, you're not important enough. You can't walk. They shout again, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus hears that. And then it says, moved with compassion. He goes over to them and he heals them. Another time, Jesus gets out of this boat, out of Sea of Galilee, and he comes off, and the, there's just thousands and thousands of people there, and the scripture says he felt moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Y'all, moved with compassion is what Jesus did. Jesus led with his gut. That's the difference between the Samaritan and the other two is that the Samaritan let the Spirit of God within him move him. You see, I think in general, and it's not just me, there's lots of experts who believe that within us we have this capacity to, to be led by our gut or, or our head or our heart. When you think about what, what type of person you are, think about it this way. The head person, um, this, is, this is how it would be for me. So I pass by somebody that, that's in need, but then my head starts to say, well, this doesn't fit in with my plan for the day because I'm actually going from point A to point B, and if I interrupt it here, it throws everything else off in the day, and plus, I've already done all of the service hours that I had planned to do in my head for the day and the week and the month, and so this doesn't, this doesn't work, and my head also says, well, is this the safe thing to do? Is this what I should do? What did, what did Pastor Stacy tell me I should do in this instance? Like, on, you know, you get in your head. And, and then that sometimes, though, I'm led with my heart, and my heart is just is bleeding alongside them. And, and that means that I help everybody I possibly can because if I see a need, I'm going to attend to it. And I'm going to stay with it probably at the sacrifice of my other responsibilities. And I am going to give the most impassioned speech to make you feel like you should too. That's the heart person leading with the heart. But the Samaritan here, there's no time. He just responds with his gut. But let's be honest, friends. We see people 
in ditches, metaphorically, every day. We see people that are in emotional ditches. They are, they are just done and, and nothing is left and we pass by. We let our heads lead us and so our heads tell us that doesn't fit in with the plan for the day or maybe we let our hearts lead us and, and that means that we, we don't want them to be wounded and forgotten but we've also made a commitment to these other 12 people that we're, our hearts are intimately connected to. But in this story, the Samaritan led with his gut. Intellectually, all three of them had been taught. They all had the head knowledge that they were supposed to react. They all saw a man bleeding and alone. And emotionally, I can guarantee they all felt bad for him. They all thought we probably should stop, but only one let his gut lead. Only one that said, that inner voice of the spirit, I, I cannot pass him by. I absolutely have to respond. Now, I want to be sure not to discount the head and the heart people. All of these are present within us, and we see this when even we are told how we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love God with our heart, with our soul or our gut, our mind, and our strength. All of those are part of who we are as humans. Our Samaritan shows us, though, that he is first moved with his gut, but then he acts with his huge heart. And we see this. I just picture him kneeling down and tenderly, it, it, it says with this oils and, and a sponge, or he's just tending to somebody that has been beaten to half dead. He is putting himself in, in, the, in, the, in the shoes of this person, and how can he make this pain go away, and then he takes him and he somehow gets him over his animal and he takes him to an inn and he tucks him into a bed, but then he switches. I, I can't stay here. I have, I have to move into to more of my mind, and, and he sets him up for success. He pays the innkeeper. He says, I will take care of this, but he also knows with his mind, thinking with his mind, that this man needs to have enough dignity and enough responsibility to care for his own healing in order to flourish. So all three are present there, but it's what did he choose to let lead him? Mr. Rogers said, I used to think that strong meant having big muscles, great physical power. But the longer I live, the more I realize that real strength has much more to do with what is not seen. Real strength has to do with helping others. Did you notice that no one was there when it happened? When the Samaritan went to go help the man that's half dead, no one was an eyewitness to it. No one was there to say, good job, well done. It was just helping because the gut led him to do that. And y'all, Christ has commanded us to go and love the stranger like this. It's, it's profound. It's, it's profound to think about not just the people that we know, but when we see someone in crisis, God is depending on his followers to be the ones that go and tend and let their gut lead. As people of faith, it is not an option. We are commanded to love our neighbors, both the known and the stranger 
those who live next door, and those who we pass by on the street. May we be courageous like the Samaritan. May it be so in my life and in yours.